Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. All right, I'm going to say welcome back, or maybe Charlie should. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a good singer, but... I didn't see that coming. No. Welcome back, Kata. I mean, we should start to sing Madonna like we were all making fun of (laughs) my kids were in pain yesterday. So we've been calling these lost episodes. This is not a lost episode, but I did get the numbering system figured out. So this is 112. 112. Okay. There you go. So... I'm just going to talk. You're like we were gonna talk triggering about. people with misphonia yeah. right there. I'm going to chew just a little bit just to get Heather. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about switching people from methadone to bube, which can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this, we talked about a little bit in the last episode, and I think this is just... So this will be shorter, and we'll try not to have Heather talk so much because then it gets longer. Well, I, this is a great, this is actually a hot topic, which could get us on to debates and tirades. Uh, uh, that'll be the next 20 episodes. So yeah. much of this is based on our opinions and our experience. Sure. Although, not yeah. so much on. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what's studied on this as well as like, you know, there have been some microinduction publications, but it's not like this has been well studied. So this is opinions. This is our yeah, experience. Right. And yeah. I want to. I wanna and, s- and let's just, can we just do one thing and just. There's there's micro induction and there's low dose induction. Oh right. So people have to be clear that the micro is just different. Oh, tell me, I don't even. Oh my gosh, micro induction is when you're like actually kind of they're still using their substance, like in Europe where you actually tell them go home and still use some fentanyl or they give it to them in the hospital. Whereas low dose, you just start with the buprenorphine, but you're not technically supposed to still be using something else. It's semantics in reality. Got it. Yeah. Not clinical anything. He's trying to be smart. Anyway, can we go back to the topic? You wanted to make this one short. Okay. (laughs) So the one question, and I almost asked it in the last one, but it wasn't pertaining to COVID, was, you know, we talked about the CAPS and the methadone clinics, whereas it's scalable due to the buprenorphine clinics Mm, and the stable patients. But yet you talked about the financial incentives. Yeah. So anecdotally, what we have noticed is, methadone clinics that we have worked with historically don't want to let patients transition to a buprenorphine clinic, don't want to help with that taper. But then what's your take on it? Because you've probably done it. And wouldn't it be smart to say, yeah, you're a stable patient, let's transition you or patient choice, heaven forbid, patient-centered choicing. You open up a door for a new patient. Right. Because it's not like you can just take all the patients when you have these caps. So yep. why would you be so anti? There's an, there's an economic answer, which is, you know, always is going to sound cynical. And then there's a medical answer. So I'll give you the economic answer. And that is the um, for a capitated methadone clinic where you get paid per patient per day. The first six months, the clinic actually loses money because um, there's a very service intensive lots of drug screens lots of visits they're coming in all the time you know they're just very intensive patients so early patients lose money and then once they are established patients they actually start making money so that's actually a good thing if you forget about buprenorphine the clinics are very highly incentivized 
to retain their patients. Uh-huh. This, the more stable a patient is, the more successful a patient is. The less money you have to spend on the them. The more margin mm-hmm. you have on the patients. So there, so we're actually economically motivated to help our patients get stable. And then once they're stable, yeah, if you want to be cynical, if you took all of our stable patients away from us and made us just start fresh with 100% new patients, we would lose a lot of money because those are all more quote-unquote, expensive, labor-intensive, service-intensive patients. So that's the economic answer. Okay. Um, The medical answer is, I mean, it is clearly the right thing for patients to make an informed choice about what they have. Patients Mm -hmm. have choices, and they they can choose to taper. They can choose to switch to buprenorphine. They can choose um, lots of things. Um, So it is, the patients should be able to make an informed choice. That said... I have some concerns about switching from methadone to buprenorphine. One is there's no guarantee it's going to work. Right. And it's not like back in the old days when we went from heroin or oxy to buprenorphine and everybody was like loving it in one week. Right. Yep. Two days they're giving you high fives. They're just loving it. Going from methadone to buprenorphine sometimes works beautifully like that. But often the first month or so is rough on them mm-hmm. yeah they're it's they, they don't feel right for a month and sometimes they just we've had many patients transition and then transition right back saying why didn't you warn me and i was like I, we tried to warn you it's it's a tough process for a someone's been on 100 milligrams of methanol for five years it is not trivial to just switch to buprenorphine and we we help patients do it but uh i don't even know what they're success rate is it could be the majority or it could even not be the majority of patients i i i don't know so the now when so, you're saying transition are you referring to just transitioning them right over with like the low dose induction like you would if they were on fentanyl or are you referring to like taper 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 and then transition nicely like, yeah what I, and what's your take which one's better yeah well i don't know which one's better i will tell you which ones i do okay. um i do First of all, pick stable patients. Yep. When a patient is unstable, actively using multiple drugs, missing up, you know, using opioids, not happy, that's a whole separate scene. That's if someone's got serious mental illness, that's going to be a really challenging transition for right, them, right. no matter how you do it. So we start with stable patients who have made it a thoughtful, informed decision. And then I do the slow taper. Stop your methadone, wait two days, sometimes three days, and start the buprenorphine. And for patients who are, and maybe I am cherry-picking successful patients by doing that, and that's a bad way of saying it, but, you know, there's, you know, the bariatric surgery, they're like, first lose 30 pounds, and then you can get your bariatric surgery. I don't know if that's still a criteria, but they're... Yeah. Uh, they are pre-selecting successful patients, right. you know. Yep. And, and, and so, like, I, I think honestly, we we when we do this, we do somewhat pre-select pe- patients who don't have active psychiatric issues, active other drug use, and then we go through a sort of intensive process to mm-hmm. get their methadone dose down. And um, when they do, I just had a patient recently, and he did great. Like, so he now, did when really you well. That's, I mean, that's the perfect world is you that is the and you, world. you are, you are letting the patient make that decision. The patient's not just saying, I want to transition and then they're getting, 
you know, I had a patient. It was awful. And she'd go to the methadone clinic. She was on like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of deal at that point. And every time she went there, I had to see her either within an hour of her getting back from that clinic or the next day because they made it sound like this was the worst thing ever. They berated her for wanting to leave. I mean, it was it was yeah. horrible. Now, we ended up doing the transition, and they still kept calling her and making it horrible. So huh. if you have a clinic, a methadone clinic, who either doesn't answer the buprenorphine provider's phone calls or whatever and doesn't want to do this, that's different than your perfect situation where you're yeah. patient-centered. Oh, no, we, help, we definitely help patients transition to buprenorphine, and we coordinate with other clinics we need to have a release there are times that i disagree with the outpatient buprenorphine providers uh we just had a couple cases recently of this um so i don't always agree with it but i you know if it's the patient wish even if it's not the perfect world and let's say they're not stable um, but they're going ahead with it anyways i'll try my best to help them now is it better for you to taper them and then you transition to the bup and then transition them to the clinic if well we possible. we do do that sometimes sometimes we keep them in our otp context and we switch them to buprenorphine daily dosing in our context they wait in line with the methadone patients but they get buprenorphine instead mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes you know maybe if there's like a they're very successful and they have a work issue and they just they just can't they have to go to a buprenorphine doctor at a different time Sometimes we'll let them switch to an OBOT clinic, and that'll be a judgment. That's a that's an assessment. Like, are you suitable for an OBOT clinic, or yeah. could we keep you in the OTP and switch you to buprenorphine, or do we just need to recommend against this altogether? You, you know, I think some of the times <clears throat> the phone calls we get uh, from providers, and this is one I got last month. Somebody shows up on their doorstep. It's Thursday. Uh, they moved here. They they took their dose of methadone yesterday, mm-hmm. eighty milligrams, and they're not going back because it's four hundred miles. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're going to have to transition. There's, well, actually it was a Friday. I'm sorry. Did I say Thursday? It was a Friday. So there's no way to get them to an OPTP. And the person says, I'm moving to Montana in a week, and I want you to switch me to buprenorphine. And they've already had eighty. Have you ever dealt with that? I've dealt with similar requests to that. And I mean, we've had another instance that's not exactly that, but it's someone who's like really unwise for them to be switching. It's not a good situation. No. Um, And those are tough, tough transitions. I mean, patient did it. Yeah. uh, And you can do it, but you got to wait for them to get sick. And they're going to be uncomfortable. And I, I think the methadone is less likely to be a great success on the first couple doses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for that person, 80 milligrams, stop cold, show up the next day, what do I do? I think I would say you got to wait at least 72 hours, maybe four days. You got to be in physical withdrawal, physical withdrawal, and then we'll try it, and it might not be pretty, and then we'll give you the clonidine and yep. omeprazole, or, um, you know, odansetron and paramide all the rest yeah do you ramp them up pretty quickly on that you know that first day you're do it do i what would you you do like he's asking you do do a low uh, dose kind of induction versus jump to the if if the first dose doesn't precipitate precipitate bad withdrawal (laughs) quite often the first dose in a methadone transition so my ideal is i've is that they've they're stable patient they've tapered down to 30 they've stopped the 30 they've waited 
48, 72 hours, and then they start buprenorphine. The first dose is not going to be like, you know, rainbows and unicorns <laughs> the way it used to be. It's just not going to be. But they'll take the first dose and they will not go into precipitated withdrawal. They'll be like, I don't know. I, I think I feel better. I mean, I don't know. I'll go aggressive at that point because, uh, you know, they're, you know, especially if they were on 70, 80, 100 milligrams of methadone, they, uh, and I am a, have a gentle touch with buprenorphine for most patients. But for that case, I, I would ramp it up really, you know, I would ramp it mm -hmm. up a little quicker because I think they're going to need it. I'd also just say you got to stick with it for a couple of weeks. It's going to get better. Yep. Um, a lot of these folks are really determined because they've been through a lot to get to this point. They're determined to give it a try. They really, and, and, you know, for those folks, if they can stick with it, usually within a month, they're really, really glad they mm -hmm. stuck with it. And yeah, we just had a, I don't call it was, it was even more dramatic than this, a, a couple, one of them was on 150, one was on 120 and they're again, very far distance from the clinic that they were part of and no other closer clinics would take them over. Um, to help transition or, you know, taper, and they were kind of just stuck. So he had stopped his methadone like three days ago. She had taken like the last dose a day ago, and I get a phone call like, what do I do? Like, um, You know, and it's like they had already called legit every methadone clinic they could find right. anywhere near convenience, and they couldn't, the, the patients were like, we can't, and it was like, well, you're gonna we, have to do it. We started the low dose. We did just two milligrams, and the did, next day I did. did it told go them, okay? dude. Yes, after, huh. and and you know, and and he told them very well, like you are not going to feel great, but yeah. here's two, and they did two twice a day the next day, and then the next day, and then yep. we jumped up after that pretty quickly by like day three, four, and it was again over a weekend. Well, no, it, that one was we had a Tuesday to a Friday to get him there, so it was really nice. He saw him back every single day in the clinic, and. Every single day, they were like, "We feel better, we feel better." And now, um, like a week out there, yep. he's like, "They look like every other Suboxone patient." Yep, it was crazy and scary, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I would say also, and I don't know how many inpatient beds we have for this, but if people happen to be inpatient for whatever reason, and there's an addiction consultant team, and there are a lot of hospitals now with uh, addiction addiction trained providers. They can do crossovers, like stay on your methadone and then introduce. I don't yep. know if this that's is low the dose micro. or micro. micro. That's yeah, micro. stay on the methadone and then introduce a micro doses, you know, half a milligram or a quarter mm -hmm. milligram and of uh, buprenorphine and then move the buprenorphine up as the methadone goes down. Um, we've done that in inpatient settings. And that's kind of where I would say, I know people do that as an outpatient, but um, I would say that for my comfort level, is an inpatient maneuver um, and outpatient would be try to get them to a low dose, stop the methadone. Although, you know, some people just want to stay at 100 milligrams of methadone, stop it from there, Oof. go into withdrawal and go straight to buprenorphine. I feel like that's pretty... Is that so, what Heather? Is that what your patients had done? They yeah, but from yeah. 120, 150, Oof. and it it's these it poor was, He called yeah. me, and he's a newer provider doing Suboxone, and it was like... Uh, yeah. help. What do I do? As long as you so, prep them and you say, you know what, you're not going to feel great, but we can do it, right? Yeah. And okay, so then with the hospital thing, just devil's advocate here, um, just because it's not always easy to get the the methadone, the liquid methadone in, especially if you were going to do that microinduction kind of crossover. Mm -hmm. You know, can you use the oral methadone like the pills? The pills. 
sure to do it. Yeah, um, you know, kind I of think so. Kind of fudging that line a little bit, but inpatient is different. Um, I think in I would have to double check the regulations, but I'm pretty sure you can give methadone pills to inpatients for this function for okay. for for a cross taper or you know cross titration, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, you can't in an outpatient, in an outpatient addiction. Setting. Which no. Be no, it'd be nice if you could to do that taper if you have a clinic not playing well in the sandbox, but. Yeah, I just, I mean, I get a little anxious with, I think to have a patient continue on methadone as they're introducing buprenorphine in an outpatient setting, yeah. you really need a patient who has their stuff together. Right. Yep. They need to be really buttoned down because that's something that's like, here are these matches and here's this gunpowder, yeah. you know, go and take care of it at home. That, I mean, I've seen the methadone buprenorphine thing go wrong once, like with my own eyes, seeing a patient... And it was ugly. Yeah. And it was one of the worst precipitated withdrawals I've seen. Wow. I've you know, I've only seen a handful, but it was a bad situation. Thankfully I hear about more of them than I see. Right. Yeah. You know, patients are like, Yeah, I took eight milligrams and uh, and uh, you should have seen what happened. Yeah. So. Okay, so next question more for you with tapering. So if if I'm an outpatient, you know, Obot, so I'm doing Suboxone, whether it's in my addiction clinic or primary care clinic, and I have a patient who wants to taper down. What do you, and obviously I'm not prescribing the methadone, so yeah. you're going to have to have that coordination, but what's your rate? How do you taper? What what do you do? Yeah, I mean, there's different approaches. I mean, the first thing is it's like, you know, like anything in medicine, it's it's individual. There's Everybody's got their own physiology and circumstances and mental health and all the rest, social stability and sober environment and all those things play into it so you're always going to have to be nimble you start a plan but you might need to adjust faster or slower depending on the patient's needs so that's the first disclaimer right but uh i would say someone tells me get me onto meth get me off of methadone onto buprenorphine as fast as reasonable like what's the fastest reasonable switch over and otherwise they're doing okay. I might say, and let's say they're on a hundred milligrams and they're like, I want to be on buprenorphine as fast as I can reasonably be on. I mean, I might take at least a couple. I mean, I would talk to them about the trade-offs. The faster you go, the more it's going to hurt. Mm. Um, but I might take a good couple weeks at least to get them. And, you know, I think if they get from a hundred down to 30 in two weeks, they're going to be hurting. Sure. Certain. So, but they can do it. And then they're at, then I want them to be at 30 for a week as they reach the new steady state. And then, so, I mean, that's a three week process. Okay. And that would be the fastest. Real fast. Okay. And, but I mean, if someone's like working with me and they're like, no, I don't really want to, <laughs> to, to set my life on fire with an ultra rapid methadone taper, um, I might say, yeah, take two months, okay. you know? And I think that would be like the smart move is take a couple months and just get yourself and be ready to switch gears. Um, and then there's some people that are like, do this on the horizon. Don't try to do this in a month. You know, we want to help you do this, but is now the time or just be careful, go slow if they're a little unstable. Sure. The, the other thing I just, this is a, here's an editorial. Here's a hot take. 
Good. You ready good. for a hot take? Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> are we going to have to redo this? No. Yeah, let's, okay. let's not put this in the <laughs> no, basement. No, <laughs> I guarantee this is, uh, this is a, an appropriate hot take. Uh, I mean, I'm not calling anyone out, in other words. Uh, but I could. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> why, so we're in an opioid epidemic. People are dying at incredibly high rates. Why are we spending so much energy switching people from one effective treatment to another effective treatment? Right. We should be spending all of our energy getting new people into treatment. And and I just, it drives me crazy when someone's like, I'm going to dedicate five hours of my clinical time to helping someone switch from methadone to buprenorphine as a sort of an elective mm. choice. Right. Meanwhile, how many people died? You know, yeah. in, the, in that three weeks I took to do the ultra rapid taper, the patient crashes and burns and ultimately decides to go back to methadone. In that three weeks, how many people died? Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and so I'm just like, I believe in patient choice. I've done them. I'm doing right now in the methadone clinic. People are doing this as we speak. I've recently successfully switched someone to buprenorphine. So I'm not like a hater or anything, but um, there are docs out there that seems like they're bread and butter is switching people mm-hmm. from methadone to buprenorphine. And I'm just like, dude, get some folks that aren't on treatment. Treat, true, yeah. you know, and, and so I just don't want to overdo it. See, no, probably I, in our lives, because we help all these communities that are rural where people are traveling. Yeah, that, I would say on a weekly basis, we're getting a phone call where a patient on. shows up at somebody's clinic and says, I got to get off methadone. I can't spend four hours a day in my car. Yeah, I don't want to say that, like, pretend that we're advocating. Everybody should transition. Sure, sure. This no. is more like... We get the 150 that hasn't taken it in two days. Now, what do I do? Yep. Type. Yep. No, I, help. I, yeah. In, in my, my rural clinic, I recently had the same situation. A guy was dri- driving two hours multiple times a week, and it's just like, he's like, I got a job. You know, and, he, and I looked at his, his record. He was just like the, the most stable guy. I was like, I think if anyone's going to succeed here, you're going to succeed switching to buprenorphine, and you will drive. 10 minutes rather than two hours. Right. And we can do video visits and it's been awesome. Yeah. You know, and so I, there is a role for it. I just. We're not going to methadone clinics like, Hey, you should switch. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have time. Right. It's not like I'm saying I don't have enough business. So you need to give me your patients. It's, I totally agree. We need to get more patients. I think my concern, whether it was during COVID becomes fentanyl is, is, if the methadone clinics are capped and we have patients who totally. were on so much fentanyl, I can't give them enough buprenorphine to cover them. So I feel badly for that patient that I think would do better in a methadone clinic, but they can't get into one. That's yeah. the only place where I'm just like frustrated. Yeah, I hear that. That's I, I hear that's that. it. I'm not advocating for the random every other patient. It's for yeah. There's got to be a and, balance. And patients should have choice, but yep. it should come from the patients, and they should be informed. Uh, and it shouldn't come from us, right? You know, like having a a bias in one way or the other. And we've heard just in talking about hypothetical clinics that are biased towards the methadone, and also maybe providers that could be biased towards the buprenorphine. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there is bias coming from us and preference coming from us, but we should just be informing the patients and helping them make a choice. I'm I'm fine with people switching. I just don't want, you know, I was uh, I can't remember what conference i was at i have the national asam i'm gonna get myself in trouble with a hot take Ooh. i thought there was too much curriculum at the national asam about switching people from methadone to buprenorphine mm. and there was not enough on just how to successfully recruit and retain buprenorphine patients yeah uh, 
de novo buprenorphine patients. Right. Anyways, there's my hot take. No, but that's a good hot take, and we didn't get to make it to that one this year because of, you know, new jobs and all that. But that conference is so fascinating to me, and I've only been there once because it is so... You guys should be teaching at it. You should you should submit an abstract. We did a couple years ago, and we were like, they were basically like, um, you guys are not research-based whatsoever. Oh, they rejected me as well this year. So Mm. I'm in your club. Mm. Now we're in good. Hey, we're Charlie's club. (laughs) Um, No, no, I I think moving forward, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Versus, you know, like the National Summit, I think is a little bit more clinical-based, and it was... It's interesting because I think over the years that was like our gold standard, and now it's like I feel like we're kind of, you know, straddling the line. Is there some? There's definitely a lot more clinical, less on the horizon research at that one versus ASAM is very. Yeah, let's look ten years down the road and do the research, and I think there needs to be a good mix. But yeah, Yeah. interesting. Well, that was fun. Great, yeah, super fun. That was. I'm glad we randomly decided to do that one. Okay, and I'm coming back sometime in the future to we'll do, do the more. Benzo one. Yeah, no. or we'll and I think we should do that one, that one with Charlie in the future. Yep, cool, awesome. All, All right. right, next week we should we should let Charlie do the finale here. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm actually coincidentally getting called from the OTP clinic right now. <laughs> All right, so we'll just perfect. I'll call them back. <laughs> See y'all next time, people <laughs> of the world. Mm-hmm.